Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are going to West Germany. What's that you say? There is no West Germany anymore? You are correct. We're going to be kind and we're going to rewind and we're going to see Bridge of Spies. Or we're going to talk about Bridge of Spies. I guess we already saw it. Jen, we had seen this movie together before, hadn't we? I think so. Yeah. I thought we had as well. It came out in 2015. You and I started dating right around then. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm, I, I, I always go to see a Spielberg movie in theaters if I can. And that one was high on my list. I loved the trailer and it's got Tom Hanks and their collaborations tend to be good collaborations. So, I know I've seen it. I don't remember if I saw it in a theater or not, but yeah. because we were together at that point, I'm pretty sure you and I went and saw this together. <laughs> you're you're going to assume that I dragged you to the theater. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to... I, I, because because we talked about that already, because we are not talked about it, because we had seen the film already, and I already knew that we had both seen this film, I want to know what were your... What was your Cold War experience? Like as a kid living in middle America, I'll bet it was different than mine. I would 100% say so because you've talked about stuff you've gone through, which we never did. I mean, we didn't have like bombing drills or anything like that. I mean, nothing, nothing like that. It wasn't even a consideration, huh? Like, did you no. like? Did you even were you even aware of any of that when you were a kid? Not like, really. I mean, I knew we didn't like Russia. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but other than that, I don't. I couldn't even. Huh. I was not aware of everything that was happening. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't aware of everything that was happening either. But I mean, my memories of my Cold War life were mostly in when we lived in England. Mm-hmm. Because up until then, I didn't have really an inkling of what was going on. And we lived in like New Jersey, we lived in Ohio, we lived in in Alaska, that sort of thing. But like when we lived in England, we lived on a tactical nuclear missile base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was a big a big part of that was the idea that we were a target. That our base, that where we lived, was a target for a Russian attack or counterattack. Sure. So we we did. We had nuclear missile drills all the time. We knew where to go, what to do, and most of it was hide under your desks. Or, this was even better, hide in the hallways because the desks weren't safe enough. (laughs) Like that would help. (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, knowing what would happen now in a nuclear blast... But you know, really, the hallways. It's I feel like you're. I feel like you're scaring the kids for no reason at that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if yeah. if you're hit with a nuclear bomb, there's nothing you're gonna be able to <laughs> right. do quick enough. Right. Oh, well, like depending on where on it is. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if yeah. you're far enough out, sure. But I mean, right. if you're in the direct hit zone. Pfft, yeah. And and if it's far enough out, hiding in a hallway ain't gonna do crap. Right. Right. I mean, if they're if, depending on where the wind's blowing and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. But. Yeah. Now, I mean, and then when I was a kid too, did you watch the movie the day after? It was a TV movie that came out on ABC. No, no? Uh-uh. there was that, and in Britain we had one called Threads. They were both movies about like what would happen after a nuclear attack on like like a small town in the in in 
the day after in the American countryside and in threads in like an Eng- like a suburb of London. And they were fucking terrifying knowing what we were like, that we were a target to see what might have happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they were fucking terrifying. So you never saw those, huh? You never no. got to. Wow, man. Okay. All right. Well, that's my extent of the Cold War. That's your extent of the Cold War as well, I guess, as far as like what we really knew. Don't you remember the Berlin Wall coming down? I remember that coming down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that as well. I remember, I mean, it was a little 89, something like yeah. that. Time frame. I, I don't remember a lot around it other yeah. than I remember it was big news that it came down. And yeah. at the time in 89, I would have been 14 and... 14 year old me didn't care what it meant <laughs> i i mean i didn't i didn't think about yeah. what the the meaning behind it the ramifications i didn't even think about you know why it was up in the first place that right. is just not something on my brain at 14 year years old in the middle you know i we're very rural here so we're just not yeah. Yeah. in any kind of populated area so when i was a kid i didn't know what that there was a berlin wall up until I was 16 years old and it was coming down, I wasn't even aware that Germany was in two sections. Mm-hmm. You know, that like yeah. there was East Germany and West Germany. Like, Yeah, I don't think that I did either. I mean, really. like, I'm sure that like if I, if I thought about it, oh, yeah, I think they mentioned it in the history books or something. But that was one of the things I was thinking about when I was watching this. Again, we've talked about this before, but and obviously I don't have our history books before. But I feel like in my history class, like they did talk about some things, but I feel like I had to memorize a lot of dates. Yeah. So I felt like my history class was memorizing dates of when things happened, not necessarily what was happening or why it was happening. Or what the sociopolitical effect was. I feel like that would have been a lot more important than... The exact date. I mean, I understand like the years and the time frame, but knowing that something happened on this specific date or it ended on this specific date, why yeah. the hell does that matter? I don't well, think that matters. No, I think I it's more important to know what was actually happening and why it was happening. And I don't really recall learning a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that we, we've, like you said, we've had discussions about this before. There's a lot of stuff that gets left out of the history books, like the coal wars from the early part of the 19th century. Holy fucking shitballs, man. I, no idea, none, mm-hmm. no idea that that was even a thing. Yeah. Like we, we don't, we need to stop teaching for tests and start teaching for life. You know what I mean? And I don't yeah. mean, and I don't mean like, home economics or like learning to plan your life and all that other shit because miles he he does that like when he goes to school he has that kind of stuff i'm talking about teaching for life like what are the ramifications of the cold wars right you know? in, in history class let's actually teach something along those lines right. instead of <laughs> memorizing instead of just all these like the, you know hey the cold war started <laughs> on this date and ended on this date, but the like like the what was that the battle of what's the mountain one Blair Mountain, the Battle of Blair Mountain. Yeah. Right? Where all those miners died, part of the coal wars, not the cold wars, the coal with no D wars. And and I suppose with an A as well, coal, 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 mm-hmm. coal. Anyway, anyway. Something you know that I mean. happened in the United States. Something that happened in the United States. No. Not just globally. Or not globally, just in the United States, I should say. But like that stuff should be taught, you know? Mm-hmm. 
we're getting sidetracked we are and i had a government class too i hated this class absolutely (laughs) hated this class but it was really talking about you know the constitution and what's on it and again dates like date stuff was signed and dates this was put into place and again (laughs) i don't care about that stuff why not actually teach us how the government works and you know teach us those things so we understand what i just feel like our our education system really did us a disservice couldn't agree more so it'd be nice i don't think things will change anytime soon i think there's got to be some radical movements with things before stuff would change and maybe it will eventually because the younger generation right now definitely has different views and thoughts on things and stuff is going to change. And so yeah. maybe we will get some of this stuff. So yeah. who knows? Hey, I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, yes, we've been very sidetracked. <laughs> Let's side. Well, I wanted to lay a base for like what is going on here because the reason I wanted to talk about like the Cold War and the end of the Cold War is because this is the very beginning of the Cold War and the building of the the the, the Berlin Wall. There's mm-hmm. a big part of this that actually centers around the Berlin Wall being built and people getting trapped on either side of it. And yeah. So why don't we why don't we do this? Why don't you give us the cast and crew and then we'll jump in. Let's talk about this movie. All right. So this was directed by Steven Spielberg. Surprise. It was written by <laughs> Matt Sharman and Ethan and Joel Cohen. The Cohen brothers. Yep. Yep. This stars Tom Hanks as James Donovan, Oscar winner Mark Rylance as Rudolph Abel. He won an Oscar for his performance here. He did. Alan Alda as Thomas Waters, and Amy Ryan as Mary Donovan. So my question here, of course, is that Mark Rylance won an Oscar for this portrayal. Mm-hmm. Did it help? Help what? <laughs> Well, that's always his question when he asks him, you're not worried. He oh, says, yeah, yeah. Would it help? <laughs> you know what? I you, Since you brought that up, yeah. when he said that, I thought, you know what? That might be something that might be a good thing to remind myself when I'm starting to get overstressed and overworried. Like thinking, does this really help them situation? I think it'll be a really hard like lesson to teach yourself internally, but that's literally where my brain was going while we were watching this this time because I, I thought, <laughs> wow, that is just really a nice like important thought. Like does it help to get worried about this? Would I, it help? Yeah, I love I love that about this character. Now, I don't know how true to the real person this was. I'm assuming that you have some of that in your research. A little bit, yeah. But I, I love the characterization of a man who is just kind of resigned to what's going on because he can't help it by worrying, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of that... Do you remember that? There was a song by Baz Luhrmann that was called Wear Sunscreen, and it was based on a an op-ed that was written, or it was a... It was an article that was written for the Chicago Tribune by a college professor who was like, hey, I'll never get asked to write a commencement speech, but if I did, this would be it. And she she has in there that says, like, worrying. It says, don't worry about the future or worry, but know that worrying is about as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. And that is what I think of when I think of this guy. Mm. 
and what he does and the way he acts. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. So all right. Yeah, so we did talk. Now we should talk about this. Not John Williams. No, John Williams. I believe was working on something else he was at sick. the time. He had a health issue. Oh, he had health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was yeah, he was not available. There was right. a reason why he was not available, and so Steven Spielberg had to go to somebody else, which he said he was very happy doing and working with. But yeah, he did miss working with John Williams. Well, they're kind of they're kind of a team at this point, yeah. really. I mean, what if there's been two movies that he's ever done, maybe three that don't have John Williams scores, and this one and The Color Purple are the only two that jump to my mind right mm. now. But yeah, okay, it's very it's very rare that we don't have John Williams scoring a Steven Spielberg movie. Okay. So before we jump into the story, just real quick, this yeah. is based on true events, but these events have been altered for movie purposes. Right. So it's not an exact telling, but it sounds like it's fairly close. Yeah. As I understand it, it was condensed a little bit as far mm-hmm. as timeline goes because of what they wanted to set it against. Yeah. And so. there's... Yeah, the timeline is condensed, and it's also, like, some of the changes that, and I'll talk about a few of them as we go through here, they're minor. Yeah. They're minor changes. So it sounds to me like it's it's fairly accurate. Sure. This this is another one of those Spielberg-inspired-by-true-events movies. So, now, we did Catch Me If You Can. I think that was the last one we did, right? And (laughs) that one was based on true events quote-unquote at the time but the guy <laughs> that that mentioned the true events was full of shit yeah this however is it, there's historical record of what actually happened yes. here so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah all right okay so. let's get into this let's do it okay so in brooklyn in 1957 rudolph abel uh gets a phone call and he just listens and then he leaves his apartment walks around the city being followed by an agent of the FBI, Agent Blasco. He goes to a cab, or goes to, excuse me, he just goes to a cab. He goes to a park to paint a picture of the Brooklyn Bridge. And while he's there, he reaches under the bench and he pulls out something and holds it in his hand while he finishes what he's doing. Then he gets back into the, he goes back onto the subway, he goes back home. He uses a razor to split this coin open it was a coin. It was like mm-hmm. a nickel or something. He mm-hmm. splits it open, and inside there's a piece of paper. They break into it. The FBI agents break into his apartment and arrest him. So but, those coin things, yeah. I guess, were kind of like something he came up with or something like this person this root of fable these the the particular coins he was using i guess were like he made these things that he was using or something like that i was reading that in a i think it was a wikipedia article about this guy because i'm like this guy's kind of i just wanted to know you know okay is this guy like kind of like what it is in the movie right right um but that was one of the things i read so again it's on the internet it's wikipedia i don't know if it's exactly true or not, but it, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it sounds like it it might be right um so that's interesting the other thing is um abel's real name is actually william fisher right he went by rudolph abel while he was a spy in the united states but the writers decided to keep the name Abel and not bring up William Fisher because 
U.S. citizens that are going to be watching this movie that are familiar with the story only know the name Abel. Like, they, they don't associate William Fisher with this event. I don't know this guy name at all. Huh? I don't either, but the people that do is what they were saying. Right, sure, sure. Associate it with that. So, Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so they actually kept they his fake name. Yep. Yeah. No. Okay, interesting. So they arrest Abel for espionage, but before he is arrested, he actually manages to he destroys the evidence. He destroys the paper by using it to clean his paint. That's kind of a his... clever little thing. Yeah, I thought that was really smart. It never comes up again. Like yeah. they don't like bring up that oh they don't have the evidence because we do get some courtroom stuff here, but they don't they don't ever bring that up that they don't have that evidence. Now, if you're really interested in the story, this yeah. this whole thing is really kind of fascinating. Now he actually had like an underling that was under him. And this guy, I guess, was terrible. He was a terrible spy. Like, I, I guess he was, like, he would make mistakes with things all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Abel, I'm going to just use Abel instead of Fisher. Sure, yeah. Okay. So Abel had told him, you need to go back right. to, was it USSR at the time? Is that what that is? Yeah, it would have been Soviet Russia. Yeah. Yep. So told him he had to go back. Can they, and, we can call it Russia for short to yeah. make, maybe you know, okay. make it shorter. Sure. <laughs> so the guy knew if he went back, though, mm-hmm. he was going to get in trouble. Like he was going to be severely punished because he's he a, a spy. spy. Right. He's a bad spy. So he went. I don't remember which country he went to. I think it was in Europe somewhere. And he went to the embassy there, U.S. embassy, and basically turned on oh. Abel and started telling everybody about this Abel guy. And so, so that's, that's how actually on how he, they got on to oh, him right. was the guy that was working under him turned him in. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I can see why they left that out of the movie. But right. That's we don't need to see all yeah. that, but that's real life. So we we don't see that here. Don't need to. Just wanted to throw it in there that there that was how it actually went down. Interesting. Interesting. Now, he gets arrested. He gets... He gets a lawyer, and the lawyer that he gets is James Donovan, who, at his place of work, he's an insurance lawyer, whose boss is played by Alan Alda. He brings him in to kind of say, hey, we're, they, they tapped us to pick the defender for this guy, and we want you to do it. It was unanimously voted that you should do it. Which I think is interesting because later they're going to like turn on him for actually doing his job okay. that he was assigned. Now, they don't mention this in the movie. Yeah. In real life, the reason why he was tapped to do this, yes, he was in insurance claims. But previous to that, he was actually general counsel to the OSS, which is a precursor to the CIA. Right, yeah. Office so he was service. actually involved in other stuff that actually so it makes sense yeah. that they would tap him to do this then but okay. they don't really talk about that in the movie so in the movie it seems like just kind of a out of the blue hey we're gonna pick you <laughs> if you leave if you leave it ambiguous about why he was picked then i think that makes it more compelling or at least it makes his character more compelling in that he is kind of a small fish in a big pond kind of thing like hey i don't know where i am or what i'm doing here i'm just going to do the best i can if if he's if he's someone who has worked in this arena before his the nuance of his character as someone who maybe is being manipulated by powers greater than him 
is lost. Mm-hmm. You know, what I, I mean? do think that's less. I think the bigger thing I'm getting from his character mm-hmm. is that even though everybody just wants him to, he want they want him to railroad bare minimum, yeah. just just so that way they've met their minimum requirements. I mean, he's trying to do his job. He's trying to help this guy. Is this something that Jim Donovan, the real Jim Donovan? Apparently, was? apparently he was a stand-up guy, and Maybe. he wanted to do the best he could what was right for his client. Interesting. He did, he did take it to the Supreme Court, and he was going to do an appeals, but before the appeal process happened... That's when the exchange stuff the was exchange stuff yeah. started mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That is really mm-hmm. interesting to me that there's actually a lawyer out there who gives two shits about like the actual law and like what it says. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to me. They are out there. They are <laughs> out there. Yes. Interesting. 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 So then we get to meet a pilot named Francis Gary Powers. He is going, he's undergoing a lie detector test, and then he and a group of pilots are going to be brought into a room where they're being told their mission. They're going to become spies for the CIA to detect any nuclear activity occurring in the Soviet Union. And the way that they're going to do that is they're going to do it with the U-2 spy plane, which we'll get into a little bit more as the, you know, as the story progresses here. Meanwhile, Donovan meets with Abel in prison. Abel never actually says, I didn't, I did anything, and he doesn't really want to cooperate with the government. Donovan gets followed by the CIA and Agent Hoffman. They sit down together at a bar. Hoffman tries to get Donovan to tell him what Abel has been telling Donovan, but Donovan's like, no, that's attorney-client privilege. Mm-hmm. And immediately I'm like, God, this guy's got to be a caricature, right? But if what you're telling me is correct, that's true. Yeah, and I didn't find anything on his interactions with government officials through this whole thing. Yeah. I, I didn't get that deep into it. But it seems like what I was reading, I believe he probably would be like, no, okay. I'm not sharing that information with you. Okay. Yeah. We get, and and these scenes are kind of interspersed. Mm-hmm. We get to see the, the spy mission, you know, kind of ramping up as Donovan is like defending Abel, or at least starting to defend Abel. We get to see, they, they talk about how the U-2 works and what their mission's going to be. And if they get, if they, if they get shot down, their, their orders are to go down with their plane and make sure it is destroyed. They're, if they do manage to get captured, they have a coin in their pocket that's supposed to like, just there's, it, it it's got a hidden pin in it that's got some poison on it. Is it cyanide? I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't know what the poison it. is. And you're supposed to just scratch your skin and you'll just, you'll die. It works in seconds. Yeah, so this apparently, the part with the coin, they were not told to commit suicide if shot down. What they were told was, this is an option for you mm. in case you are going to get tortured, blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. So he, the poison pin was actually found, I guess, on Powers in his third strip search, I guess, or something. So he must have had it hid pretty good. I don't want to know where. And imagine <laughs> if it was hidden, hidden there. You know, one strong poop and you might have poisoned yeah. yourself, right? But Powers did warn them not to touch it. And the Soviets tried the pin on a dog. And the dog ah. died within a few moments. Jesus. So, yeah. 
So he just straight up told them, hey, it's poison. I'm supposed to kill myself. Here yeah, you go. He's like, this one it is. Yeah. Did this dude just cough up a bunch of shit? I I don't know. It doesn't, hmm. I, according to what I'm reading, doesn't sound like he okay. did. But again, I I did some backgrounds, but I didn't get like super deep into it. So yeah. I, I didn't find anything that said he did. Interesting. So Abel's trial begins, and nobody believes in Donovan. They want, they think that Abel deserves the death penalty because it, for his for the crimes that he supposedly committed. You know, obviously mm-hmm. innocent until proven guilty and whatever. Donovan is starting to get like suspected of like his loyalty is starting to be suspect. Mm-hmm. People on the train are noticing him because this pictures all over the newspaper and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then someone like shoots up the Donovan house, endangering like his kids and his wife. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets hurt, but they're, you know, there it is, right? Everybody thinks he's a traitor because he's defending a communist spy. Yeah. I, not having really lived through all of this yeah. myself yeah. it's hard for me to wrap my head around this completely like mm. just the absolute hatred towards this guy yeah so i'm trying to imagine it and i could see where people would be upset because if you're thinking this guy is putting our lives at risk and stuff i could see why people are upset but i just wasn't sure i was on the same page with how aggressive everybody was about it uh, i don't yeah. know i so, it's kind of a tough situation to be in i think so the red scare was pretty effective and the idea that a soviet spy was here dealing you know u.s secrets back to russia soviet russia was something that i that as i understand it was a was kind of like a powder keg issue, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So this this movie takes place in 1957, which is a good five years three three to five years after the after the McCarthy trials ended, the Joseph McCarthy trials, where they were they were basically bringing people in and questioning them and questioning their loyalty. This is. Do you remember when we were talking about Oppenheimer? Yeah. The movie Oppenheimer. This is that that was the tail end of that. Mm. And that was what was that what they were dealing with. They mm. were dealing with like this this the second red scare, right? Okay. The red scare. Yep. And so I can see why tensions would be really high over this. The idea the ideas that people were were fed by this McCarthyism were pretty incendiary, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. It's it's hard to put yourself in that spot mm-hmm. because we, <laughs> let's face it, we're, you know, white middle class people. You know, we don't deal with that kind of shit. That's not something that we as human beings have had to deal with. We're not people of color. We're not, you know, LGBTQ, you know, we're mm-hmm. any, not any of that stuff, which, I'm, which are the things that I would equate this to today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and neither of us have ever put ourselves in a position where we would be like, like drastically hated for what we're doing, you know? Yeah. So 
the ability to put ourselves in that in their shoes. I think casting Tom Hanks in this role was a very effective choice because we can't empathize with the situation necessarily, but we can empathize with Tom Hanks. Everybody loves Tom Hanks, right? I also love the actor they got for Abel. Mark Rylance? Because I feel sympathy for this guy. I mean, he's a Russian spy, but yet I'm still like... He's an old man, you know. Still a human being. He's he's seems kind, and you know, I I don't know. So they did good casting because this whole situation, I definitely feel empathy towards these guys. Mm-hmm. And where I'm at is like I don't know if I'm supposed to. That's where I'm trying to go with this. Well, is is kind of the whole thought process of yeah. You know, this was supposed to be a guy who was betraying our country. And, I mean, for all accounts, he was. I don't know. That's where I was kind of, when I was watching it this time, too, as I was kind of thinking about this, trying to debate, like, how do I feel about this, you know? Think about it this way. He's not in charge of anything. Right. He's, he's, He's a pawn. Yeah. He's being used by the Soviet government just like our spies are being used yep. by the U.S. government mm-hmm. to further the goals of far wealthier people mm-hmm. than he. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's doing these things, but, you know, here's the thing. Haven't we all done things that we don't necessarily want to have to do because we have to survive somehow? Well, and I also liked his point when he was asking for some things mm-hmm. from Donovan. And Donovan's like, I don't know if I can get those. And he's like, well, if you had an American spy over in Russia, how would you want them to be treated? Right. And that's kind of my whole thought process, too, is like treat these guys how you would want our spies or soldiers or whatever to get treated. A little humanity goes a long way. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's let's go on with the story. <laughs> okay, right. So by the end of the trial, Abel is found guilty on all the charges. Donovan, however, goes to visit the judge privately because the judge kind of has had enough of him in the court. But he goes to visit the judge privately, and he convinces the judge to give Abel a 30-year prison sentence instead of the death penalty. So he staves off the death penalty, but they give him 30 years. Now... Back to the pilots, Powers and his his fellow spy plane operators take their mission over the over the USSR, but his plane is shot down and he goes down and manages to eject himself from the plane, but he's captured and held by the Soviets. He is also put on trial. He gets ten years. Yeah. We gave Abel 30, which was a knockdown from the death penalty. And the Soviets, the bad guys, gave this American spy 10. So apparently this judge was an ass in real life, too. Which one? Like this Mortimer Byers on the... The, the, uh, One for Abel's? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently he would give draft dodgers five years in prison and five years of hard labor. Wow. Wow. 
So All because they didn't want to fight a war for rich politicians. Yeah, Weird. yeah. So this guy, I guess, was was known to be pretty harsh with <laughs> his rulings and stuff. So interesting. I think that was probably fairly accurate portrayal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. So meanwhile, meanwhile, in Germany, just as the Berlin Wall is getting built, American student Frederick Pryor goes to meet his girlfriend on the other side in, in East Germany. He is confronted by the East German police, the Stasi. They detain him. They arrest him. Okay, so yeah. this is a part where we differ from what actually happened. Okay. Okay, so they changed it because they thought the audience would not believe what actually happened. So he was actually caught because he was trying to return some library books on the uh, on the other side. Yeah. But they feel like he was caught and then kept because he was conducting research for his thesis on trade behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. And he came across stuff that they did not want out. Oh. That makes more sense. That makes more sense, but I could see where it's easier to shorthand it to Yeah. Yeah. It was a girl type of thing. Why? Because otherwise is, you have to put some kind of explanation into right. this movie that's already fairly long. Yeah, two and a half. I yeah. mean, it's two two hours and 24 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is a longer movie. Now, I mean, they're making longer movies now. They, so, they, you know, they are, but just trying to... I understand where you're going to shorthand this because yeah. you got to not make this three hours and have this extra stuff. Right. Well, now there. you've got yeah. three people in different custodies and yeah. like it's already a complicated idea that they're going to try and get two people for one spy. But I think what's interesting about what you're telling me is the real world version of that is that I'm sure, I'm sure there were thousands of people that were caught in the circumstances of just everyday fucking life when they put, when they put up that wall, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, like just innocuous stuff like, Oh, I have to go to the green grocer, but they're over on the other side of the border, which, you know, really hasn't been built completely yet. So I'm just going to go over there real quick. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they get stopped, they get pulled over, they get dragged away, you mm -hmm. know, or they're stuck over there now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So the way that Donovan had had gotten the judge to agree to a 30-year prison sentence instead of the death penalty was that he had, he had posited the idea that there might be a potential for if we were to ever have a spy caught in Russia, that we would have something to trade now. Right. Which is interesting because this dude just turned into Nostradamus. Because it literally happens, mm -hmm. you know? And they want to trade. So they, the U.S. and the USSR want to trade Abel for Powers, the pilot. But Donovan wants, the, wants them to try and get Pryor back as well. The CIA only wants Powers back, but Donovan plans to make a negotiation regardless. So he goes to East Germany to meet with Vogel, who is a German lawyer, who can broker a deal. Donovan meets with three people posing as Abel's family. Now, 
I'm wondering, did the, do you come across anything in your research about whether or not he really had this family? He does have a wife okay. because he does end up going to live out the last years of his life with his wife. Yeah. But I don't know if that was her here. What was the point of this posed family? I don't know. Maybe to get some sympathy to have them do the switch or I don't know. I'm not really sure. Because the, Abel gets a letter from this person who says she's his wife. Mm-hmm. And he reads it to Donovan, which, like... that. Okay, so that part, my understanding was that was Vogel, I think, and he was getting messages to Abel because, you know, stuff was not going to go directly to Abel. It was going to get read and confiscated and reread everything. So by saying this was Abel's... His wife, wife. Yeah. it would actually maybe get there. Gotcha. Okay, so they're just passing messages, yeah. basically. Yeah. Okay, all right, makes sense. So while Donovan is in East Germany trying to negotiate all of this, he is kind of experiencing life in East Germany. In other words, like he, as he's on the train, he sees people trying to get past, trying to trying to get over the wall. Now there is like an exclusion zone or something, right, in between the border of East Germany and the wall. Mm-hmm. And basically like a bunch of like barbed wire and sentry posts and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And he he sees people get murdered trying to get across from East Germany to West Germany. Mm-hmm. So he gets to see all that and then he also he's like he experiences like the idea that like oh they oh, they don't have they don't have heat. So there's not enough power for everybody like mm-hmm. So the East German government refuses to give up prior when they learn that Soviets were involved in the negotiation. The CIA thinks that they should leave prior, the kid, the student, but Donovan threatens East German government. He says if prior's not released to them, the whole deal is off. Abel would be interrogated, and that would cause bad blood between Germany and Soviets. Mm -hmm. They end up reaching an agreement. The Germans, East Germans, will deliver powers to a place called Checkpoint Charlie in East Germany, or West Germany, and the Soviets will deliver uh, powers Mm -hmm. in exchange for Abel on... The Glenecki Bridge, which is now called the Bridge of Spies, which is where they get the name for the movie. They bring one of Power's uh, buddies, the guys that he trained with, to identify him. Mm -hmm. And after there's a tense moment where we're not sure if they're going to bring Pryor, where we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And Donovan and Abel have a conversation where he says, well, if they just put me in the back of the car, Abel says, well, if they just put me in the back of the car, we'll know that, you know, it's probably not going to be a good thing for me. And well, because Donovan and him have kind of gotten a friendship at this point. And Donovan's concerned for his safety. Like, are you going to be okay? Yeah. 
absolutely. Like, uh, and that's actually one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is that there was this friendship from people who are diametrically opposed, mm-hmm. right? Because say what you will about Donovan, he's still an American citizen. He still believes in, you know, democracy and all this stuff. Meanwhile, we have Abel, who works for a totalitarian government. I mean, we're we're talking about two two sides of 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 a of a political power struggle. Mm-hmm. But these guys can manage to be friends again, showing us the humanity that underlies all of this other stuff. Like all that other stuff, when you strip it away, is just all the bullshit, mm-hmm. the all the bullshit noise that keeps people apart. Mm-hmm. You know. Which I thought was really interesting about this and really kind of heartwarming about this. Yeah. Yeah. So they do the exchange because Pryor is brought to Checkpoint Charlie like at the last possible I think they minute. were. I think they were trying to see if they would just do the one trade and then they could hold on to Pryor. Yeah. But I think that, you know, they, they knew that it wasn't going to happen. I also find it interesting that you have to bring somebody that knows who the guy is because they might bring you the wrong dude. Intentionally, yeah. 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 The, never, uh... never would have crossed my mind for something <laughs> like that. Right. So as Abel is getting ready to cross the bridge to the other side, he tells Donovan he left him a gift. And Donovan's like, well, I didn't get you anything. But then, you know, they kind of they share a little look and Donovan watches Abel get put into the back. No warm embrace. No warm embrace, just the back of the car for him. Yep. Which, now I have a question then. What did happen to Abel? Was he interrogated? Was he killed? What happened? No, he was not killed. I don't know if he was interrogated or not, and I don't know how long they held on to him before he was able to go home, but he did get to go and spend the last years of his life with his wife. Okay. Because he died, God, when did he die? 70s, I thought. Early yeah, 70s? Yeah, early 70s. So it wasn't... Like 20 years after this movie. Yeah. It's set, not after the movie. 20 years after the movie is set. Right, right. <laughs> so on the plane ride home... Powers is sitting next to Donovan and people are giving Powers the evil eye because, you know, he was captured. They don't Mm -hmm. know if they can trust him. But Powers tells Donovan that he never told the captors anything. Mm -hmm. But Donovan says, doesn't matter what anybody else believes. You know what you did. Mm -hmm. Which I think is interesting. Do you know if Powers had given up anything? I did not. I did not look at any of that stuff. Mm. Okay. So we don't know for sure. As far as this podcast goes, if, right. if Powers gave anything up. Okay. I feel like he kind of did because of the way that the way that they interacted with him. I got the impression that he was giving them some information, if not, not that much, but some. Do you get that? The way that they set this up is Abel stood his ground and Powers caved. Hmm. If, but then he's lying at the end. I don't like that. Yeah. I, I mean, if he did that, I would hope he would just not say anything instead of saying, I didn't I didn't get on anything. I mean, he doesn't want to be seen as the bad guy, but he also didn't want to get tortured to death. You yeah. know? I mean... I don't know. Huh. Interesting. Also, Donovan opens up the gift that Abel sent him, which was a painting of Donovan. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Abel is actually a pretty good painter. Yes. Yeah. 
So Donovan returns home to his family, and he goes upstairs. Now, t- we didn't. you didn't mention this, but the yeah. family didn't know he was in Russia. Right. Yeah, I was going to get to that here because his <laughs> wife thought he was fishing somewhere yeah. nearby, and she said she said she wanted him to bring marmalade home. Yeah. And and he did, but he brought it home from, like, the corner store. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry, I was really busy. And even at that point, even now, she doesn't, she didn't know what, what right. had been going on. They find out about it from the news. Now, I mean, it makes for a great dramatic ending. If I didn't tell you where I was going and you found out that I had, like, gone to Europe to do something, wouldn't you be, like, a little, like, mad at me? I'd be a little upset, especially with something like this where it was very dangerous to be there. Because she just shrugs her shoulders and is like, oh, gosh darn you, I feel like I read (laughs) in that bio I was reading that he did not tell his family he was going. I think that's true. Really? Yeah. But it kind of makes sense because that's probably not something you want out in the news. Yeah. And you get too many people talking, it might get to the news. He's and protecting then... them. He's yeah. protecting the family. Yeah. But even so, like, I would feel like she just kind of, like, sh- like it was like a sitcom ending from, like, you know, the 70s. Yeah, the shrug she had. You know? But, you know, through the <laughs> whole thing... He didn't even have her support through the trial or anything. True. I mean, she was trying to get him to stop. That is very true. And so right. I feel like if maybe she would have been more supportive, she might he might have been like, look, I'm going to tell you something you cannot tell anybody. I can right. totally see not telling the kids, but have that one-on-one with your wife. But if your wife isn't being supportive of the situation anyways, mm-hmm. that's going to be a difficult sell to say, hey, I'm going to do this. You know, so this is where we get that mirror scene to the scene of the the two people trying to get over the Berlin Wall and getting murdered. And Donovan is riding home on the train, and he actually sees like kids. Oh no, this wasn't. He wasn't riding home on the train. He it was like after, like the next day or whatever. We see him riding on the train to go to work or something like that. And the same lady that looked at him like side-eyed mm-hmm. on the train when he had his picture in the paper for defending the spy guy, he she now looks at him like she's proud of him because he you know got an American soldier home. Mm-hmm. But he gets to see like kids climbing a fence on a playground and he kind of has like this moment where he kind of remember, kind of, you know, kind of comes back to him what he saw. Kind of gives me this impression that, like, what he experienced there is going to stay with him. Oh, I would think so. Forever, you know? Yeah. We do get... We do get the ending where they, you know, the the typical biopic type ending where they give you the... Info dump. The, the, yeah, the, the wall of text mm-hmm. to read. We get to find out that Abel returned home and was never acknowledged as a spy... We find out that Francis Gary Powers died in 1977 when he was working for a news crew as a helicopter pilot. His helicopter crashed. And we find out that Pryor went on to become a professor at Swarthmore College. Donovan was asked by Kennedy to negotiate the release of a thousand prisoners from Cuba after the Bay of Pigs invasion. And he would get 
he would eventually get 9,000 men, women, and children released. Yeah. I kind of want to sequel The Bridge of Spies. You should you should read more about this guy because I read with this whole Cuba thing yeah. that I don't remember which government faction it was, which, which one it was, CIA, FBI, I don't know, which whatever was. Which of the alphabet him. boys yeah. it was, yeah. But someone gave him something, now I can't remember what it was, but to give to Castro as a gift and it was basically poison like they wanted him they wanted him to give him this thing to kill him holy shit and really he didn't do it he's he didn't do it he gave him a gift of his own that was the exact same thing but a gift of his own that was completely fine oh my god but he would he, yeah so the government wanted him to like assassinate assassinate Castro, Castro. yeah he's a lawyer for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> okay steven spielberg please make a sequel to bridge of spies i want to know more about this and i want I, I think this dude seems like this guy i mean he's not atticus finch or anything like mm-hmm. that but he's like you know a stand-up lawyer you know mm-hmm. let's make some more shit about him yeah i want to see this sounds like he's had some great adventures <laughs> you know yeah my god all right so L- yeah, go ahead. What okay, so a couple other things. You talked about this being condensed down. Yeah. So he actually became Abel's attorney in 1957. And five years later is when the exchange happened. So there was actually five years wow. between the trial and the exchange. Was When did the U2 incident happen? 1960? I feel like that happened in 60. You might have to look that up. By that part, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 1960, the U-2 spy plane that was shot down. That was the one that was friend of scary powers. Yep. Yeah. So, so I, if for some reason, you know, we talked about memorizing dates. I remember that date. <laughs> I don't know why, but I remember, at least I remember the year anyway. So. Right, right. And let's talk about the plane shot down real quick. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg's father, Arnold was actually a foreign exchange student in Russia during this time period. Interesting. So he was there when this plane was shot down. And he told Steven Spielberg about that whole situation. And he recalled they they took parts of the plane and, like, different things they found on the ground yeah. and, like, had it displayed. And then when there was this line of people going by, they saw Arnold and I think there was another guy with him and they saw that they were Americans. Mm -hmm. And so they pulled them out and then started yelling stuff like, look what your country's doing to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. And stuff like that. So, so, so they're, so he kind of knew about this because his father was over there when it happened. Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was thinking about this as they were going over the spy plane because they go through like this really intensive, like, this is what it does. This is how it works. This is, you know, blah, 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 right? All the details of like how to manipulate, how to use the spy plane, how long the wings are, blah, 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 the wingspan and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, the amount of thought, genius, money, and labor that went into making just one of these planes to go and watch what another country's doing is like one of the most weird 
paranoid, out of like my head kind of things that I can think of doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how much money would they have spent on that? Well, I. You and I both agree with this thought process, and and I don't know if we're exact on where we specifically land, but in general, we both think that they spend way too much on military stuff. Yes. This is this necessary? I'm sure some people say yes. Yeah. And maybe it is. I don't know. I I, I don't get into the whole military mindset and games and stuff like that. So I, I guess I don't really know the answer. Me personally, I feel like. This seems excessive, but I don't know. Wow. Fiscal year 2021 budget includes $120 million for the Lockheed Martin U-2 reconnaissance aircraft, including about $48 million for the high-altitude deep-look advanced synthetic aperture radar system and $62 million for other upgrades. Hmm. Interesting. That's, that's, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. All right. Another thing I want to point out is when he went, when Donovan went to do this negotiation swap, he was told by government officials that powers was the priority. So we kind of got that in the movie here. Right. But there were actually two American students that were held. Oh. One was Frederick Pryor, which yeah. is what we get in there. But the other one, his name is Marvin Mackinnon. And he was serving time for taking pictures of Soviet military installations. And so they were hoping to get all three. I don't believe they did. I think Marvin was released later, like a year or so later. But he was told about them. So he was going to try and do all three, I guess, that one, but only was able to do the two. Again, trimming it down for time, trimming Mm -hmm. it down for, you know, the, the... Imagine, okay, it was already a crowded story with three different people being exchanged. Imagine if they were trying to get four (laughs) people in yet, and the fourth one didn't even get exchanged. Right. Yeah, yeah, that would have been, that would have been a bit much. All right, and then I'm going to talk about a few different things that did not happen and Mm -hmm. were just added for dramatic effect. Okay. The witnessing of people attempting to cross the wall was not actually true. He did Uh, not witness that. Okay. The gang that stole his coat. That oh, did yeah, not happen either. <laughs> his, Donovan's rebellion at the Hilton, like where he kind of went off on that one guy and walked off with all the food, you know, the food. Yeah, was, or, yeah that yeah. didn't happen. The CIA man's insistent on only the powers able swap. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Interesting. And then Donovan's meeting with the East German minister. Vogel. Yeah, I think, yeah, Vogel. That yeah. didn't happen? Is that Vogel or is that the other dude? No, East German guy two. was Vogel. The other guy was the other guy was the Soviet dude. Um, hang on. I didn't catch those names, but one of them did not happen. <laughs> well, Vogel definitely happened. Or well, Vogel was in the movie for sure. Right. And that's yeah. all I have. That's it. Okay. Yep. Uh, do you have any other notes that you want to talk about? Nope, that's it. Okay, I have I have I have one okay. other thing that I wanted to quick talk about before we jump into other stuff. Well, maybe two. The first one is I would love to see Spielberg do a movie about the Nuremberg trials because it is mentioned early on that Donovan was part of the Nuremberg trials. 
and I want to see more. I don't not necessarily need to see more of Donovan in that particular arena, but I would love to see what Spielberg would do with the Nuremberg trials. Sure. What like what what story can they dig out of there where they can tell mm-hmm. you know kind of a, an idea you know give us a little idea of that and then I love I absolutely love that this was written by the Coens I don't think that they've ever teamed up with Spielberg again or before but I love the fact that the Coen brothers and Spielberg there's this fusion of like some of my favorite filmmakers mm-hmm. right there and I love it I absolutely <laughs> love that okay so let's do our thing Jen. Keep Renter a Race and tell me why. Now, I haven't seen this movie since we saw it the last time. So this is only the second time I've seen this movie. Yeah, yep. But I still really like this movie. So I'm still going to keep it. Okay. I think it's an interesting story. It's fascinating. The characters, like the, the I mean, the acting was great, but the characters yeah. were interesting. I, you're, you're feeling empathy for a Russian spy here and he did such a good job, Steven Spielberg and this actor of making you realize that they're human beings too. You know, it was just a good watch, but it's not something I think that obviously I'm going to pull out all the time and watch it again, but it's definitely a keep. It's definitely worth watching. Okay. So that's, that's where I'm going with that one. How about you? Uh, This is, this is a standout keep for me. I love, this movie a lot. Now, I've only seen it a few times. I don't think you need to see it a lot to really. This isn't one of those movies that you rewatch. This isn't a Jurassic Park where you're like, oh, it's so adventurous and everything, mm-hmm. right? This is a thinker, a Spielberg thinker, of course, but a thinker nonetheless. And I love that. I love that it humanizes, like you were saying, the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the fact that Donovan and Abel become friends throughout this whole thing is it's a testament to the idea that if you strip away all the other bullshit we're all just human beings in the end Mm -hmm. right yeah and we're not being manipulated by powers greater than our own then we would all get along i think you know Mm -hmm. we could potentially all get along if we're not being manipulated by powers greater than our own Mm mm-hmm and I really love it for that. I love this idea that you can get that in microcosm in this film. The idea that you can do that. I really liked the... I really liked the sets. I'm going to go ahead and say this, but I really like the music in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not... You know, it's not It's not John Williams. I'll give you that. Everybody else is back. Michael Kahn's back. Janusz Kaminski's back. All the normal, the usual suspects when it comes to a Spielberg movie made after, like, 98, right? Thomas Newman, though, he has created some really good scores. The dude has made some good stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, he did Finding Dory. That was a good... I mean, he did Finding Nemo. He did American Beauty, which, I mean, say what you will. I mean, I know know that... What's his face? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey is kind of a iffy shitty person ick. yeah <laughs> he's, he's kind of ick. ick but american beauty is a great film he made some there was some great music to it there was some mm-hmm. great music in shawshank redemption thomas newman did that this is a good this was a good pick man mm-hmm. if you couldn't get johnny williams thomas newman's a good guy to get yeah so i really appreciated that so yeah this is a keep for me definitely a keep fair enough yes so what's next all right so next week 
we are going to cover the Equalizer 3. The Equalizer 3. Okay, that's awesome. I, I really like the first two. I did too. I'm excited for really this. Like the, I, did you ever watch the show? No. I didn't either. My parents watched the show. Oh, okay. I didn't watch the show. You're not much of a TV person. I'm, I'm not. I really am. But but back then I was. The mm. Equalizer came out in the 80s. So, I mean, okay. back then I was Dukes of Hazard, A-Team, you know, all that stuff. But you're a kid at that point. You right. Know? Like, now I'm, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a film person than a TV person, you know. So, yeah. So, I'm excited. That'll be fun. Very cool. And Denzel Washington. Can't go wrong with Denzel Can't Washington. Can't go wrong with Denzel. That's right. All right, well, then next week, right here on the couch, Denzel Washington, Equalizer 3. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.